Welcome back to the Market to Online podcast, where we help new and not so new creators reimagine their online strategies and finally live the life of their dream. Hey there, friends. We have made it. This is the sixth and final episode of this Copywriting Basics series. I don't know about you, but I'm going to really miss this. When I first started contemplating this series, I always knew it would be difficult to cover so much information. I thought I would initially do four episodes and then quickly backstepped and upped it to six. Then I just dug in and tried to do the best I could to hopefully provide you all with some new information and to remind you of other highly important skills. I am hopeful that I have succeeded. Now, last week, you might remember, we ended by saying this. Now that we've seen examples of great copywriting, let's look at the flip side. What does really bad copywriting look like? We'll look at that in our next and final episode, episode number six, next week. See you there. And don't be scared. I'm sure you haven't written any bad copy, right? We'll see. So, without further ado, let's jump straight into this week's information. Everyone loves lists, right? Let's start with seven ways to create damn bad copy. We all know by now that creativity is an essential part of being a remarkable writer and copywriter. And this is a really good skill for any marketer. When a results-oriented writer and an image-oriented writer each say the word creative, they're talking about two completely different things. The results-oriented writer emphasizes problem-solving with a clear, concise, and compelling copy. For example, how do I demonstrate that our product will solve our target customer's problem? The image-oriented writer emphasizes artistic, clever, or humorous copy. For example, how can I demonstrate how entertaining and crafty I am? I think we've all seen examples of each one of those. And with that in mind, here are seven kinds of copy you need to avoid with a little help from legendary copywriter John Caples. Copywriters beware. Number one, lyrical. This is a type of copy that you see from someone who... Well, let's say they love words, long words, expensive words, words like gentacular, pertaining to a breakfast taking early in the morning or immediately on getting up. That was an expensive word. Here's another 
and don't try to say this quickly. Slubber deganium. It's a filthy, slobbering person. And finally, recumbentabius, a knockdown blow. Those are some expensive, long, and hard words. I guarantee it. This kind of person is one whom your grandmother squeezed her cheeks and said, You are a little wordsmith, and whose English literature cronies would stroke their chins and say, I think you're on to something. Not sure what, but you're on to it. Let's imagine this wordsmith works for, let's say, Black and Decker, okay? She's asked to write sales copy for a cordless drill, and it just might look like this. Wanted, a hollow place for a solid mass of a hard, fibrous substance. Carpenters, with one little boring unit made from the 22nd element of the periodic table, you can create a precise aperture in any piece of wood, and behold, with the ergonomic grip zone, constraining is done with amenity and gratification. Visit any one of our facilities if you are predisposed to acquiring a unit. <laughs> the only problem is this is a painful piece to read. Nobody knows what you're talking about. It is a guessing game. Your audience doesn't have the patience to wait. Number two, sentimental. Sentimental copy sounds like it was written by a college student who enjoys sunsets, foreign films, incense, and long bubble baths. He's a copywriter with a single and solitary goal to make you feel the copy. If you don't feel the copy, then he's failed. He stands in the doorway. A tear hangs like sapphire from his eyelash, ready to plunge into the depths of his lonely and loveless heart. You are drinking from the cup of a dark night, confused by the decaying shadow of his love and dazed by the breath of a broken promise. When he lowers a veil on your heart, you will fling yourself into the depths of hunger and death. Know what he's trying to sell? Me neither. That might work for a Nicholas Sparks novel, but never in advertising. Shoot for the straight and the simple. Number three, outlandish. This is your garden variety snake oil salesman. Here's an example. The product that will eliminate $45,000 in debt in less than 45 days. Also, the DVD that swears 
You can look like a Russian bodybuilder with nothing more than a chair and four minutes a day. And finally, the stock that will make Google's stock price look like a steal. It's the world of yellow highlight markers, images of jaw-dropping tax returns, and promises of endless freedom to indulge in every whim. But it's also the world of broken dreams, where you might make a mint in the short term, but over time, your reputation will suffer. This type of advertising betrays confidence. It harms. It stings and leaves a bad taste in our mouths. And it's a surefire way to kill conversations. It appears when we're young and suckered into the milk can con job at the traveling carnival. Or the sea monkey hoax, where you're led to believe you'll spawn little people in an aquarium, but what you end up with is just some cheap fish food. You feel kind of stupid for failing for such tricks, and you vow never to fall for it again. You grow a thick skin to advertising, and every honest salesman and every sincere sales page that crosses your path is viewed as a fraud. There's a limit to credibility, a limit to what people will believe. If you cross that invisible line in your sales copy, people will shut you down. Better to make a promise that you know your audience will believe without having to stretch their judgment. And better yet, tell the ugly truth. What you say after that will be easier to swallow. Number four, humorous. The problem with humorous copy is that humor is fickle. It's a minefield. For every person who laughs at a blonde joke, you have one person who hates you for it. Some people like deadpan humor. Others like dark humor. Some like slapstick. And still others, well, they like sarcasm. Many like bathroom humor, while others want the highbrow sort. Unless you are certain that most of your paying customers like dark humor, then just don't use it. What you find funny is likely insulting to others, and and that will damage the effectiveness of your copy. That's not a risk you should be willing to take. Of course, there are rare exceptions, and some writers occasionally do go down the absurd, clever, humorous route, and it pays off. But your chances, however, are much better if you stick to clear, concise, and compelling copy. Or at the very least, avoid humor until you're certain you are funny. Number five, short. Short copy, so brief that the entire advertisement could fit on the back of a business card, is bliss for those who use it. 
think loan producers or financial institutions. Sometimes an entire page in a magazine is devoted to the name of the product plus an alluring slogan, such as, Seduction is Essential, or Your Money is Your Money. Nobody knows what those slogans mean, not even the marketing director, but it's that mystery we love. Unfortunately, mysterious copy does not pay the bills. It goes against the grain of tested advertising methods that have proven that longer copy will virtually always outsell short copy. Number six. Clever. Clever is what you get when you have a writer who thinks he is smart, smarter than the average reader, and he's out to prove how smart he is. So he writes a clever ad. Clever is also what you get when you don't have a marketing clue. Let's say you're an architect selling the benefits of your firm and you write this headline. We will make sure that your house is not square. You meant not cool, but hey, look at you. You said it cleverly. Wordplay. Everyone in your firm thinks you are a genius. Unfortunately, everyone else will think you're a moron for trying to sell them a house that will one day flop over. Few people read clever advertisements. They're confused by the headline, and the few who do read recognize what you're trying and failing to do. If your job rides upon effective advertising, then make sure it accomplishes these four things. Promises to solve a meaningful problem. It paints a picture of what your life will be like if that problem is solved. It proves that you will deliver on your promise. And it pushes the prospect to subscribe, download, donate, share, or buy. Effective content marketing builds upon a self-interest of your customer. And when you give them the kind of content that they don't want to delete, you won't need clever copywriting. And finally, number seven, advertorial. Once a popular and effective approach used by some of the best copywriters in the land, the advertorial is now overused, possibly even flat out abused. So what exactly is an advertorial? Well, it's nothing more than an advertisement dressed up to look like a piece of news. This is what we usually see at the bottom of an article on one of our local news websites. In a box marked advertisement, there's a handful of ads that are supposed to be news, such as Weird Illinois loophole or new policy in Illinois. But what looks like an editorial news piece is an ad 
such as this one. Agents hate this. Insider Trick allows safe drivers to slash rates by 45%. In these advertorials, in the lead, you have loaded language like scammed and overpaying to hit those hot buttons so even if you miss the word advertisement, readers will sense that it is not meant to inform but to persuade. This approach is misleading, almost sleazy, and not unlike the outlandish approach. But here's the thing. These ads have been running for a very, very long time. And that tells us two things. Number one, they're getting great click-throughs. And number two, they are making money. The question becomes, is there a better way to be profitable? Well, we think there is. It's called content marketing. Focus on the audience. There's one thing that all the examples above share, a complete lack of concern for the audience that they intend to reach. In each example, the spotlight is put on the writer. Look at me. I'm a poet. I am funny, clever, mysterious. Good copywriters, good advertising copy, and good content marketing, however, put the focus on the audience, the prospective customer. If you truly take care of your audience, they will eventually take care of you. Well, we're nearly done with our copywriting series. However, I've just got one more thing for you. As a successful marketer, copywriter, there's a practice you will want to turn into a steady habit, and that's learning from other writers. You'll find out how to draw inspiration from your peers, teachers, and your mentors. So the number one secret to writing great copy is this. Using words that work with the people you're trying to persuade. Don't reinvent the wheel. Study and draw inspiration from the great copy that works. And I'm not talking about copy that you think is great. It's a mistake to judge advertising as regular people do, as entertainment. Madison Avenue has a great gig producing short entertainment pieces called commercials that often don't sell much of anything. I'm talking about drawing inspiration from advertising copy that has demonstrated its effectiveness by actually working as intended. Like a direct mail piece that has raked in millions and millions of dollars in sales. A copywriting swipe file is a collection of winning ads, sales letters, space ads, headline collections, 
plus bits and pieces of copy that have been marketplace proven to make big money. A carefully collected swipe file is the essential starting point for the most new copywriting campaigns. It's a bit like why lawyers begin with a basic form when drafting a new legal document or why web designers start with a basic template structure. They start with something solid and customize from there. But the problem with swipe file approach is context. Many new and inexperienced writers, and often many pros, will miss the mark when trying to adapt past copy to a new situation. Yep, the winning formula becomes a bust when inappropriately applied. So, there's an art to listening. And luckily, we've got an impressive set of tools that will let us uncover the context right down to the very language our prospects are using. Most marketers make the mistake of thinking social media is a tool for talking. They believe it's for distributing a message far and wide and measuring the response it comes back. The Internet is indeed a direct response playground. Social media is also the most powerful market research tool ever to be used. Sites like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and even TikTok can tell you the exact words your prospects are using to describe their wishes, hopes, fears, worries, and dissatisfactions. And the words people use when searching for information make keyword research a gold mine that goes way beyond SEO. Email marketing and blogs allow your prospects to engage you in a conversation to tell you what they want and how they want it. And just as important, to demonstrate what they respond to. The swipe file still has a place. The smart copywriters still maintain them, though they may have more headlines from Google ads than from direct mail these days. But the most effective copywriters also remember that classic piece of wisdom from good old grandma. You have two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as you talk. As content marketers, we need a veritable arsenal of skills. We need to know how to perform effective research. And we must be world-class experts in our industries. We must know how to connect with our readers. But of all our skills... Copywriting may just be the most important because as content marketers, we're in the business of selling something. It might be high-end consulting services or it could be a fantastic line of t-shirts and sweatshirts. No matter what we're selling, we must be able to persuade people to buy. 
copywriting skills truly separate the wheat from the chaff in the land of content marketers. And hopefully, I've given you a good crash course on how to hone and perfect your persuasive writing methods. So I thank you for taking this journey with me. Until next week, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay happy. No matter if you are new to online marketing or a struggling veteran, keep coming back, where you will learn how to develop your online strategies so you can achieve the success you desire. And hey, if you've not done so, please click on the subscribe button or inside the podcast app you're using, click follow so you'll not miss even one exciting episode. And while you're at it, why not go to market2online.com and see what resources we have available. You've been listening to the Market 2 Online podcast where we help new and not-so-new creators reimagine their online strategies and finally live the life of their dreams. Thanks for listening.